You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and we got a full house tonight. Three dudes, two shirts. We'll let you guess who is missing one. I got Drake. I got Dave. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine, fine Wednesday evening? It's me, Matt, guys. I'm not wearing a shirt. Dave, I'm doing great. Max, I'm doing great. It's been missing you guys. It's been four days, but hey, we're back. Ready to party. In case you're wondering, it's the guy who says ready to party that is not wearing the shirt. <laughs> well, folks, we got, a, we got a great show for you tonight. We are going to talk about We're going to frame it a little differently than we have this week. We've been doing goal setting, right? What do we want to see from the offense this season? Then we had talked about on Tuesday, what do we want to see from the defense this season? So folks, we are going to talk about leg two of the season today. If you missed it earlier in the week, we talked about the offense and what we need to see from them throughout the entire season on Monday. Talked about the defense on Tuesday, and we did some goal setting for the Notre Dame game yesterday. So today we'll pick up where we left off, we are going Jacksonville State through North Carolina. And the way we're going to frame this is, what do we need to have seen from this team, both high level and at the granular level, on Sunday, October 10th, as we look back on the first six games to say, hey, this season's been a success so far, and we feel like we're headed in the right direction. So first, we're going to start really, really broad. Don't get lazy on me, guys, and just say we want to be 6-0. and what is like the one thing, if you can try to put yourself on set Sunday, October 10th, that you want to have seen from this team to say, okay, I feel pretty good about where we are, and I feel even better about where we're headed right now? Well, we need to be 6 now. I'm just kidding. No, I'm actually going to take an answer from both of you guys earlier in the week. I need either someone named Jay Sean Corbin, Trishon Ward, or Lawrence Tofilia to lead the entire team in rushing yards. And by that... I'm saying that mainly because that means that we're supplementing the attack from either Mackenzie Milne or Jordan Travis with a solid rushing attack. And to me, that's something that we didn't have last year with Jordan Travis leading the entire team with rushing yards. So to me, it's extremely important because Norvell came over from Memphis with Kenneth Gainwell and Antonio Gibson being perennial rushing superstars. So by halfway through after UNC, I want to see that actually, you know, not only come to fruition, but looking forward to the rest next half of the year that we have a solid rushing attack. And I think my answer is probably going to be what everyone's is, which is I want a clear starter at quarterback. If we've gotten to October 10th and we don't know by that point who the definitive clear starter is, I don't think the season's going very well because they're both talented enough that one of them should be able to separate. And if the coaches are having to mix and match, not that both shouldn't get playing time, but if it's not clear who the starter is by that point in the season, I think we're in trouble. I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I don't want to put the bad juju out there. But let's say you're four and two, but you've lost to Notre Dame and North Carolina, and it doesn't look like there's really a ton to play for this season. You know, you've got UMass and Boston College and NC State, and you should be able to win two of those three and make a bowl. Do you think you go ahead and pull Milton in favor of either Chuba or Jordan Travis or someone that can play for you next year if you're not going to be in contention to win your division? I don't think the answer to that can be yes, because it's going to be really tough to convince a fifth year transfer who can be really impactful to come in in the future. If you're benching a recent Heisman winner, just because, yeah, you may not have. I want to clarify. He's not a recent Heisman winner. He was a, 
Oh, or contender, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, my. So like, I'm kind of on the opposite with. Oh, well, not the opposite with that. I agree, Dave. I agree that we should not be pulling either Mackenzie Milne or Jordan Travis. You know, for Chuba or even Tate Rodemaker at this point, mainly because I don't think it's conducive to their development at all whatsoever to put them in. If you pull them after NC State, you're going to – I mean, North Carolina going to play them against Clemson, Miami, Florida, Boston College. That's a murderous row of teams that we – when we talked about the entire schedule, that that's like that's like the gauntlet right there. I'm not going to put a 19-year-old who hasn't played that many downs against those kind of defenses and teams. So, I don't – I just don't think it's conducive to them in the long run. So, I either you stick with Mackenzie Milton – or you go over Jordan Travis, but to me, you don't do either. Well, right. that's, or. that's what I yeah. meant. Like I meant, I meant for whoever. I just I gave the other guys some lip service. Do you say, hey, let's just give Jordan the burn at QB one, Mackenzie? Thanks for doing what you did. Why don't you go to you know go to Arizona or go down to IMG, get ready for the draft, do your thing, um, and have. So- I thought you asked it that way because I thought you were thinking that they're going to be a two quarterback system and they go back and forth, like after a few games and yeah. neither of them is the answer. So you, you would go with the younger kid. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I just meant someone that will be here next year. So in my mind, that's Jordan Travis being elevated to a full-time starter with, you know, maybe KZ there to, to back him up and reserve. Um, but I wonder if you don't use those reps for Jordan to your advantage versus using him as a package guy. If the season's already not over, but, getting there yeah to be clear i don't think if we're four and two after that schedule i don't think that's anywhere near what i would consider to be this season's loss like if if we were to go out and miraculously beat clemson two weeks later all of a sudden we're six and two with a pretty good win on our schedule so i i wouldn't call it that at that point also four and two that's an extra win from last year like that's an improvement already. And we basically basically winning six and six going, I mean, going six and six, that's mainly what you kind of want right now to begin with as your floor. So, well, that's what I mean is I think that, let me be very clear. I think McKenzie Milton at his peak over Jordan Travis. Now from what I saw in the spring with the team around him, maybe gives you an extra half to an extra one and a half wins. I don't think it's a substantial difference because frankly, if the O-line is playing like we're starting to hear out of practice, it sounds like they're playing. Um, and again, with our, with our, with our receivers, I don't really know if there's much that McKenzie Milton can do to make this team a whole lot better. So I don't think replacing him with Jordan Travis, you're giving up on the year, but I think you are making a conscious investment in the future, similar to, you know, putting Dix in for some of those older linebackers last year. So he can go ahead and start to learn the position and, pay dividends down the road. I think it also depends on the reason you're four and two. If you're four and two and Mackenzie Milton's thrown for an average of 300 yards a game, I don't think even if you're looking at it like, well, maybe we could give the young guy some reps. I think you have to leave him. If he's really yeah. balling out, I don't think it's an option. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it is pretty, you're, you're right. It would be very situational. And, and I don't even want to you know think about being worse than four and two down that stretch. But guys, before we come back and we give the deep dive, I, I think we're going to do this three ways, by the way, and think about it while I'm telling the folks what I'm going to tell them. The way I want to do it is offense, defense, and then I want to do situational because Dave, I really liked how we did that yesterday where we talked, what do we want our third down situ- to look like? Things that we were bad at last year that you know we'd like to improve at this year. Um, but anyway, folks, I, I'm really, really pumped about this new sponsor. Sweatblock is their name. I didn't no, we were going to get sweat block as a sponsor. I had this issue a couple, couple weeks ago, I guess a couple months ago at this point, they say um, 
on, on this copy I have here, like, oh, there's things that are uncomfortable talking about. I don't mind. I'm a big sweaty dude. Like I, w- I lift weights. I eat too much protein and I sweat a lot. Uh, my house was built in the forties in Tampa, Florida. It gets very, very hot. Um, your boy takes ADHD medicine that makes me sweat even more. So yeah, there are days where like, it goes from the top of the shirt down to like the stitching or where the sweat gets to. And I needed to do something. I tried the cl- quote clinical strength deodorants. Uh, those don't really work. And I'm pretty sure they just shove a bunch of aluminum in your armpits. Anyway, I was at CVS and I saw sweat block wipes. I said, you know, what do I have to lose? I tried them. These things are wonderful. Uh, short of just getting Botox in your armpits to stop your sweat glands from producing it, these are probably the next best thing. So go get sweat block if you need it. It's okay. We're guys. We're men. That means a couple of things. We sweat a lot from our armpits. Unfortunately, sweat block can stop that. So go to sweatblock.com and use promo code locked on for 20% off, or go to Amazon or like me, just run up to CVS and grab them. I promise. You will be so happy you bought these. The people sitting next to you will probably be happy you bought these. Your wife or girlfriend will be happy you bought these. Stacy will be happy. Holly will be happy. Go get some sweat blocks, folks. All right, guys. So let's hit the offense first. What, Dave, I'll start with you because I, I think we can kind of put some color on what we talked about yesterday. Drake said he wanted to see the run game. Let's talk about the passing game. What do you want to see from these receivers when you sit there on Sunday, August 10th, and we're recording this show? What kind of performance do you need to, not want, need to have seen in the first six games of the season to feel good about their performance and feel confident in the next six games? So I think I need to see no less than three receivers with at least 200 yards and two of them with at least 300 yards, meaning two receivers averaging at least 50 yards a game over the first six games and at least a third guy that's got 200 yards after six. I don't feel like that's a particularly high bar, but we don't know what we're looking at going into the season. Really. There's a lot of question marks at the receiver position and that seems like a pretty bare minimum, but I I feel like that's a reasonable step up from last year. No, I think so too. Drake, I'm going to let you expand a bit on the running game. What do you want to have seen from the running backs by this point to feel good about their performance and to and what will give you confidence going forward? So I'm going to need to see probably our primary tailback. I want him to average at least above four and a half yards a carry. That's primarily what I want to see because I listening to you guys earlier in the week. One of the big things that we all that always shot us in the foot last year was these very, very long third downs, whether it be mm-hmm. third and seven, third and eight. And to me, four and a half yards right there, that's second and five. That means you have a manageable second down that hopefully gets you a, a third and two, third and three, which is what Max, what you said, I think on Monday or Tuesday. I forgot yeah. what day it was. Two, uh, and, Wednesday, I think we were talking Notre. I don't yeah. know. We need to see short third downs, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like, that's the primary thing with a rushing attack that we really, really need. That way, we're able to not only have these manageable second and third downs, but also it opens up maybe these short slant routes that we can use, maybe a Jordan Wilson across the middle, maybe Keyshawn Helton, who guys, who apparently has his burst back up in the slot. And that way it allows, and also we have second and three, you know, third and threes, you know, third and fours, like we can bring in Jordan Travis too, who can use his legs a little bit too. It opens the playbook that much more when we have these short third yardage plays. And to me, that's how, if you have a, a running back, your primary tailback averaging above four and a half yards to carry, I think that's the best way to start. Dude, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see a 205-pound Jordan Travis run the ball in short yard situations. Like, 185-pound him 
was willing to take on anyone. 200 pound him, that could be a different animal and the same beast. I don't want to rehash all the situations from yesterday. Drake, you brought up needing to see short, manageable, at least third downs, not getting in these long, obvious passing downs. From the reports we're hearing, this offensive line will be better, but they're still getting banged. You know, it's already day four, and all you hear is they're all banged up. They can't talk about injuries from the people who watch practice, but all you hear is you got guys missing every play. It's So I'm a little worried that this team, again, will not be built to convert on second and eight, third and six. But I'm going to talk about the red zone. I want to see a score. It doesn't have to be touchdowns. I want to see improved red zone efficiency. Like I, I want to see a scoring 65% of the time we get in the red zone. I don't, I'm afraid to put a number on touchdowns and field goals because I don't want to, I don't want to get too into that. And, you know, then it seems like I'm being nitpicky, but last year we were atrocious in the red zone, if I remember correctly, and we got to take advantage of our opportunities there. Yeah. Three quarters of the time we entered the red zone, we scored, which means one fourth, we didn't score a point that can't happen. And wait, what did just, I say? 65. Sorry. I'm going to say 85%, not 65%. If, we, okay, if we're 65% be, at this point, I'm going to just quit, probably quit watching. If we can't score from within 20 yards, 60. Yeah. Right. And we allowed 83% red zone scores last year. So that's not like we're asking for an awful lot. That was the average. Is, is, is that number correct? Cause I feel a lot of the time they score and us, it was like an 80 yard bomb, a 60 yard run. Are you sure that, that you're sure with your correct with that stat? Oh, Oh, I'm sure. I'm it's, sure probably like, it's, probably, it's probably like a Notre Dame, right? They didn't, they didn't convert a lot of third downs cause they were really never on third down. I like that with the receivers, the running backs, you know, that's what I want to see in the red zone. Also last thing I've got to see from the offense. It's six games. With the receivers, I need to see less than eight dropped passes. And I mean, no. I mean, real drops, not tip of the fingers, 50 50 ball. I need to see less than eight actual, either a full hand on it, drop it, or it hits the fingers of both hands and you drop it. Because that Louisville game last year was, I mean, we had more than six, we had more than eight drops in that game, I think. I think yeah, I think, right. it was, like, I think we totaled nine. I think Keyshawn had three. I think Warren Thompson had two. Cam McDonald had two. It was really, really bad. I think Dave, Dave, I think, counted it down in, in our group chat, too, discussing each drop. And yeah. he just literally just – you could feel Dave Sandy just le- leaving his body when the those drops were happening. one from Keyshawn on that fifth, third and 15. That, you know, because we were going punch for punch. We go to convert yep. that third and 15 and just clinks off his hands. Ugh. All right, guys, any other goals that you have or – things you really need to see from this offense in that first or that second five game stretch up to and including North Carolina before we move on over to defense. I think with the offensive line, one of the bigger things, I mean, well, you want them to be healthy. I also don't put too much stock of them, you know, constantly rotating out. They haven't hit each other since like April and May. So True. obviously they're going to get bumped up and bruised up a lot, a lot quicker. I mean, Bama, the same thing was happening. I do agree with you though, where, I want to see not all five. I don't, I don't even see all five starting linemen there the entire year. Never that doesn't happen even with Alabama, Oklahoma. I want to see the same four, and primarily I need to see the same center, and he better be named Morris Smith. So me personally, I need four out of the five to be there from day one to day was it uh, December? Six. Yeah, six, six, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, look. Related to that, I cannot see six bad snaps in that six-game stretch. I need to see less than one per game. That is not yep. asking for a lot. You don't see other teams doing it as much as we do, and I can't see that again this year. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to go one step further. Six games. We're six games in at this point. I need to have seen less than six false starts. Just that 
Holdings, I'm okay with. If you want to hold people to save the lives of these quarterbacks, the way they've been playing, I will take holdings. But the yep. false starts have to stop. They ruin plays. And, you know, Drake, to my point earlier, or to your point, to my point, I guess, it is hot. And we all know it doesn't matter if you're D1, NFL, or Pop Warner. Big boys are a little lazy. You know, We so maybe these aren't all, you know, injuries that let's just say, all of these injuries that take them out of practice in the 98 degree heat might not take them out of a game in Doak Campbell when it actually matters. Oh yeah. Your, your boy, uh, your, your boy pulled up lame, you know, trying to stretch a single into a double cause it was really hot when I was <laughs> playing catcher. Absolutely. No. Yeah. These kids are tired. These kids are exhausted. Come on. I can see Dylan game. was like, Oh man, you know what? Take a breather real quick. Crap. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, guys. Well, I like those goals for the offense. We're about to get into the defense, but before we do, it is that time of day. It's time for the betonline.ag line of the day. I'm going to go to Friday night. Two of my favorite matchups. We'll keep this quick. We'll keep this sexy. I like these Friday night matchups a ton at 6 p.m. North Carolina goes to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. Then at 9 p.m., Michigan State goes to, I guess, where is it? Chicago to take on Northwestern. The spreads are, are this. North Carolina's minus five and a half against Virginia Tech. Michigan State is a three and a half point dog at Northwestern. How do you guys feel about these two games? Where are you picking them? You could have told me that it was a 15 and a half point spread for North Carolina, and I would have picked the Tar Heels in that one. And that is such going to be such a blowout. Right? I feel like that's such a value, five and a half points. I would take them up to 10 and a half legitimately. I think UNC is good enough to win the Coastal. They have a Heisman contender quarterback. And Justin Fuente is not a good head coach. I don't know how the hell he's ever Virginia Tech. He let Hendon Hooker go for Braxton Burmeister. Uh, no, I'm taking, I'm taking UNC plus the points. And I might sell some points and make a, game, get a better value in my book. Yeah, that's one where I would almost go for an adjusted line if they have yeah, like exactly. a nine and a half there at like plus 180. I'm, I would probably hammer that. The only thing I can think is that that is a sucker bet. And folks, these do exist. Vegas is very, very smart. And the goal is to make you think, oh, yeah, aren't North Carolina and Virginia Tech about the same? And I'm pretty sure it was a close game like last year. So, yeah, I get, you know, I'm, you know, uh, Virginia Tech's at home. I'm going to take them at five and a half. That's, uh, I, I'm glad y'all jumped on that one. Now, this one, Michigan State Northwestern. I, Northwestern finished in the top 10 last year. Patty Fitz is Patty Fitz. As far as I know, Michigan State is in an absolute death spiral and continues to be in one. But is there something I'm not seeing? Is there a reason to take them at plus three and a half? I, look, as far as I'm concerned, those two teams are like the exact same to me. Michigan State, Northwestern. I know absolutely nothing about that one, so I'm just going to take the points. Yeah, um, I like Northwestern a lot. I think they have – one of their biggest problems last year was Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback who I thought did nothing was particularly good. They actually have Ryan Halinski, a transfer from South Carolina, who actually did just come in. And I was and like – Wait, wait, is he – that's not the same guy from Washington State. That's his brother. Is his brother, okay. To me, he actually – if you watch his freshman year at South Carolina, he's very, very solid. I don't know why Michigan State is getting as much love. I mean, they ended up the end of the year playing very, very well. But and I like Mel Tucker as a coach, but I don't trust them enough to go up against a team that Northwestern did lose a lot. But I think that this is a game where you're the better coach is going to lead to victory. And by three points, I, I would just go with Pat Fitzgerald. I don't bet against him at all, period, in my personal opinion. So I will go with Northwestern. You know, my rule never bet against Patty Fitz. The man has faces for days. But if your car's not like Patty Fitz and your car should be bet against, well, you need to fix it. Get out there, grab your tools. Get there. No, wait, you don't have the part. Don't go to the auto parts store. 
put this off for like two or three more days while they ship it to you very quickly at a fair price from rockauto.com. Go there, great selection, wonderful prices, find what you need, get it right to your door, and then you can fix that thing that's been making the noise that's been bugging you. And by the way, make sure to tell them Locked On sent you when you order it. All right, boys, let's talk defense. Defense wins championships, and we're hoping that it will, will win us at least six games. What do you need to see from your favorite position group, David, the linebackers, six games into this situation to feel like, okay, maybe I was, uh, maybe I was wrong or maybe I was freaking out a little too prematurely, and maybe they are going to be serviceable headed into the next six games. Knowing that we have starting linebackers. I'm actually being serious about that. After six games, I want to know that we have like cemented starting linebackers because if we're still trying to figure that out after six games, I don't know that we have them on the roster. Sometimes your overt simplicity is exactly what's needed because I think that's a, that's an incredible, incredible insight that we all know, but don't know. We know like right now, name the starting three linebackers off the top of your head. It's, it's tough to do. Are they going to play two? Are they going to play three? If they have two, where's, you know, Leonard Warner, is he still here? Like, where's he? Yeah, he's, playing, he's playing defensive end now. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's right. He moved up. Yeah. Where, you know, where's Amari Gaynor going to be? Okay. We got Steven Dix. Is DJ Lundy still playing linebacker? Is he a fullback? It's very unclear. Um, so I, I think that's a, a good, simple take Drake, your favorite position group. I know you're super high on these guys. What does the D line need to do in the first six games to make you say, I was right to be hyped about these guys. Jermaine Johnson is the real deal. End of story. I need two of our defensive ends to have at least two and a half or more sacks. I want Jermaine Johnson to have at least three because I think he's more than capable of doing that, especially because I think for that game, I'm pretty sure we play what Jacksonville State, Wake Forest, mm-hmm. Louisville, Syracuse. They don't really Syracuse. have great. Op- they don't have great offensive lines. So I want to. Ha- so th- he should have at least three after those first yeah. six games. And I want someone, maybe Marcus Cushney, someone like that could you know as a reserve role, maybe has two, maybe pushes up our two and a half. Maybe Kier Thomas, I know defense tackles typically don't get that many sacks, but I but maybe he's able to create pressure for a Jermaine Johnson, maybe a Mark Gaynor coming off the edge, or maybe apparently Jamie Robinson's playing very close to the line right now. Actually, he's playing a lot for run blitzes. Maybe Jamie, he Jamie, gets Jamie? Jamie, 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 Jam. But I need to see at least two people on the defensive line have two and a half or more sacks because I already know that Jermaine Johnson's going to have three. That's a guarantee. Yeah, well, we thought that last year too, but your lips to God's ears, brothers, brother, I hope you are right. For me, I'm going to combine those two and I'm going to get a little nerdy and Dave, you'll smile here. I need to see our front seven be in the top third in the country in Havoc. I want us to disrupt yeah. things. I, Havoc rating, by the way, is a football outsider stat. That is how well does your front seven disrupt plays? We don't need to go into it further because the math is weird but I need to know that we are causing opposing teams to not just be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. I guess last thing is, uh, you know, the secondary guys, what, what do you want to have seen? You know what? The secondary is so hard. Let me say as a whole, it is because they do every, they do everything. Yeah, no, that, that is, that is pretty tough. Let me ask you this. Where do you think our leading tackler should be playing on the field six games in? Because I know two years ago, we were all noticing like, hey, our safety should not be our leading tackler. That means guys are getting into the secondary way too often. So ideally, where do you think our leading tackler should be coming from six games in? Should be a linebacker, right? Uh, see, 
I think that now the way football is played now, like you, you had Derwin James and he does in the NFL too. He plays a lot close last year scrimmage and he does have a lot of tackles. So I'm not of that. I get what you're saying though, because Ham didn't play that close to the line. He didn't. Right. He was legitimately playing safety. There was no reason for that. But to me, it should be someone like probably a Steven Dix or maybe someone that plays super close to the line, like a Jadarius Green McKnight, that, that Swiss Army knife safety. Yeah. What's it called? The stud linebacker? Uh, where uh, they safety? Call the Fox. They call the Fox now. They call it the Fox now? Or whatever. So you the guy that plays, that plays secondary and linebacker, like that to me should be the guy. Basically what Jane Willis will be should have been while he was here. It should be that sort of player that's on the field. Yeah, no, totally agree. Oh, and one last goal for me. I want to see, because our D-line, if you don't remember, folks, go look it up, was atrocious at sacking the quarterback last year. I want to see one sack in the first six games. I want one sack from each position along the D-line. Not even person. I want, I'm going to say there's two defensive tackles for sake of this argument. I want one sack from each side defensive tackle. I want one from each side's defensive end. That's all I want in the first six games. And that, by the way, would have been better than last year's entire season for sacks. So folks, I'm glad y'all stuck around with us before we get you out of here today and let you go on about your Thursday. I want final thoughts from you two. This is not going to be specific. This is opened up. Pretend I'm not even going to frame it that much. I just want to hear what's on y'all's mind about Florida State football right now in this moment as we head into Friday. Dave, you look ready to rock. What's on your mind, buddy? I'm going to keep in the spirit of this and I'm going to give you a goal that I have to have after six games. I need us to be converting third downs more than we're allowing. We allowed 46% conversions on third down last year. We only converted 36% and that has to flip. So I'm going to steal something from y'all earlier this week. I need to see this defense rates in the top 60 teams for the FBS. Me personally, I don't think that's attainable with who we have right now at defensive coordinator. Because I think after these six games, my biggest goal, I want to know whether or not Adam Fuller is actually the answer at defensive coordinator. That is to me, is it because if he can have a sustainable defense by the sixth game, that's, you know, we're at least improving. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for him to be lights out. As long as if he shows no improvement, and that's what happens on October 10th, I see that, you know, I'm like, you know what? We need to move on from this man. So I want to know whether or not by October 10th, if Adam Fuller is the answer for D.C. Dude, I agree. And we did this with a couple things earlier this week. Some goals, yeah, you have to look and go, what's realistic? Some goals you have to say, we are Florida State. We need a top 60 defense. It's it's plain and simple. Because look at what Kendall Bryles was able to do with our offense going from Walt Bell to Kendall Bryles. I am confident we can find someone to do that for our defense. So if Adam Fuller doesn't have that capability, there's someone out there that does. So I totally agree with that goal. For me, What's on my mind? I don't know. We got to beat North Carolina, I think. Or, or I'll say this. We got to go at least one and one against Notre Dame and North Carolina. I'm not saying I won't look back and consider the season a success if we don't do that. But when I'm sitting there on Saturday or Sunday, October 10th, I'm going to feel bad about the season so far if we're 0-2 against those teams, unless they were two really, really close losses. Yeah, we need to beat Notre Dame. I, out of the two, I think North Carolina is more attainable because, like I said, Mac Brown is 0-7 against us. And to me, there are just certain things that, you know, are never destined to happen, like me and Rihanna. Please call me back. But, no, but seriously, like, we need Play to back. be – How'd you be, get her number? Be, <laughs> hey, listen, man. I got the face for a reason. But, no, we need to go one and one from the two. And to me, I think winning Notre Dame 
will lessen the blow because they because North Carolina has the better quarterback. But one and one, I agree with you. It needs to happen. It has to, especially for what we want to do with recruiting, what we want to do moving forward, and what we want to do for the like three or the second half of the year after after that game. So, folks, those are our goals for the year. Those are what we that's what we need to see. We broke down offense on Monday, defense on Tuesday, Notre Dame Wednesday, and now you just heard leg two. Next week, we have a wonderful week coming for you. We're going to talk about individual players. We're going to kind of highlight who we think the leaders in different categories are going to be, who we're really looking to step up as the the stars of this team, and all kinds of other fun stuff we'll throw in there. We'll also be talking about camp because we'll have a large enough sample size to really give you all some deep dive info on what we're hearing, what we're seeing, things like that. But before we do that, tomorrow we have the one, the only, the Philip Go, Mr. Philly G himself. He is a writer with the One Foot Down blog. That's Notre Dame's SB Nation outlet. He is on our show to talk about Notre Dame, do a season preview, all that good stuff that we've been doing. Seriously, he gives wonderful insight. He knows more about Notre Dame than most people know about their teams, and it's just incredible to hear him talk. And frankly, after he talks, I'll be honest, I feel a little better about our chances because uh, there's some holes in that. So make sure you all tune in tomorrow. If you're listening to this, grab your phone, open your app, make sure you follow us, make sure you give us a five-star rating. So that'll do it. That was Drake. That was Dave. I'm Max. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Notre Dame. Love you, Phil. Go Noles. Jeez, man, he came in. He came in aggressive on that one, buddy. I mean, you kind of have to a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs>